0: John, would you like to come up? Dear God, we just thank you for John and for Sheila. Thank you that you've put them in this place. We thank you that you have given John the words that are right for today and as we move forward this week. We ask that you open our hearts, open our ears, help us to listen. Amen. I want you all to keep your eye on Claire because I believe she's got a tremendous gift in leading a meeting. I do really mean that. (laughs) She's a school teacher and she's brought all her skills into the church. So thank you, Claire. Also, to Tom and Liz, I'm hoping to be with you next Friday, next Saturday. Put my name down. (laughs) And uh, I'm afraid I'm a a bit like Ian. (laughs) But it's a challenge, and I'm going to take it. So often, when I sing familiar hymns and attend services that are familiar, like the breaking of bread, there's a danger that my mind wanders. It's called Familiarity being in contempt. I do know (coughs) that when we say the Lord's Prayer, I have to be very careful that I catch every clause because every clause is important. And I can think, they can run past me and I can say Amen at the end. And I said, Gosh, what have I said? When I'm taking communion, I can actually take the bread and the wine and not thank God for dying for me, because of familiarity. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling, and I'm bored enough to stay, that it's a common problem. But every time, mind you, sometimes I, I pinch myself and say, come on John, get engaged. Nevertheless, it's a problem. Therefore, I am giving this talk on the communion service. We're not having communion, but I'm setting you up for the time we have it. I wanting you to prepare your heart for the next time we have communion. (coughs) Because I consider Many people consider that the communion service is the most important service in the calendar of the church. And I think you would agree that the lessons that we learn when we prepare ourselves for communion are easily transferable to other services we attend to a church. So a little bit of a historic background. Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, our communion service, while eating a a meal with his disciples. The night before he was crucified, he took some bread and took some wine, and he gave, them, gave it to the disciples. He says, the bread is my body broken for you, the wine is my blood poured out for you on the cross for the remission of your sins. Take and eat this and give thanks. In other words, remember my death. And I want to thank God (coughs) for Jean Fawkes because she came up to me one day and she said, John, read this book So I read the book and it was about a man called uh, Maximilian Holbein and he was a Polish Roman Catholic priest and he was incarcerated in Auschwitz during the Second World War and the German guards were given a command to Kill 12 prisoners. Choosing them at random. And after they'd been chosen, one Jew let out an awful sigh and said, oh God, I'd never see my wife or my child again. Now put yourself in the skin of that man. And the man behind him was this Roman Catholic novice priest. Please note, he wasn't of the same faith as the Jew. And he shouted out, let me die for this man. Let me die. I'm single. I've no dependence. And surprisingly, the guards accepted it. And he was executed in place of a Jew. And he died a very painful death because they starved him to death. And he wouldn't die. In the end, it poisoned him. Meanwhile, the man who was saved, survived the concentration camp. He survived the war. He went back to his wife and his child. And every year when they had their reunion service he waxed waxed so eloquently thanking God for this Roman Catholic priest. And as the years went by, his gratitude to that Catholic priest increased. Put yourself into the skin of that man. Feel his gratitude. How then, when you go to the communion service, get a feeling that that man had. Because it's similar to what Jesus did on the cross. He died in your place, and my place, not for his sins, but for our sins. And when you take the bread and take the wine, this is the discipline that we need. just have a scintilla of feeling that that you had. It's a small part to take the bread and as you take the wine, say, thank you, God, for dying for me. Well, let's have a look at this communion service. It all started very well in the early church. It was called the Lord's Supper. And in Corinth, of course, they started it very well. They had what was called a love feast. The idea was for everybody to take some food and it to be pulled together, the rich and the poor came <laughs> together in love and then they had the breaking of bread, but something went wrong. The rich people refused to share their food with the poor and the poor resented it, and they reported it to Paul. Hence, 1 Corinthians were written to correct that error. And what Paul said was this, when you eat the bread and drink the wine unworthily, you deeply offend God whilst you're at war with one another, and whilst you are fallen out with people, you're eating and drinking the bread unworthily. Therefore, before you attend the Lord's Supper, examine your own hearts to see that you're right with every other person in the church. See that you're right. And if you're not right, keep God waiting until you get yourself back with that person, and then come and take communion. It's very similar to the, another time where Jesus said, if anybody has ought against you and you're taking your gift to church, drop it, get back with that person. Keep God waiting until you get right with that person. <clears throat> So, this is the objection that some people make because it's a very controversial one where Paul says, search your heart. You say it's too introspective, It's almost like a witch hunt. It's not a witch hunt when you ask God to search your heart slowly. When when uh, David said in Psalm 139, search my heart and know my every thought and see if there any be any wicked way in me. That's no witch hunt. And when you go to the the covenant infirmary for an x ray, oh you don't show sure, that's too introspective. Because if there's anything wrong with you, you want to know it. And then somebody says, ah, but sometimes you can't get right with people because it takes two to tango. That's true. Perhaps somebody doesn't want to get right with you, but you can still take communion if you're purposed in your heart to get right. Because there's a wonderful clause in the Bible that says, blessed are they, that hunger and thirst after righteousness, you don't have to achieve it. <laughs> All you have to do is <laughs> hunger and thirst for it. And if you hunger and thirst to get right with someone, Jesus said, Come and take communion. You're perfect. <sighs> the other thing I want to say is you don't have to be perfect. There's a difference between living in sin. And being a forgiven sinner. And when we purpose in our hearts to repent and forgive. It's been in front of Claire as the She says, "Is broken the power of canceling. Mm-hmm. And then we could take communion. So, who should participate in the Lord's Supper? Only those who love the Lord. It was a sacrament given by Jesus to the disciples, no one else. So this is for those who love Jesus. Secondly, it requires self-examination. The problem in Corinth was not that the Christians failed to realize that the elements represented the body of Christ, but that they had failed to realize that the poor were part of Christ's body. Mm-hmm. So in conclusion well look, I've got another thing to say after the conclusion <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest with you. but when you've taken communion and you've sat down, usually there's a time when you have to wait until everybody else is finished. Now, in that waiting time, what do you do? Do you let your mind wander or do you pray? Here's three things that you can ruin it over as you're waiting. First of all, the Lord's Supper reminds us that we are inextricably united with Christ and with one another. In 1 Corinthians 10, 16, it says, Is not the bread that we break our a particip- a participation in the body of Christ so we are participating in the body of Christ and Christ is the head and we are all together in that body Good news <laughs> when Christ is our head we can enjoy his feeding and his guidance and his direction. Now here's something else that you've forgotten about. Whilst we're in the body of Christ we can be fed and led and encouraged by everybody else in the body. That's how important we are. We can play our part in building each other up. Isn't that a an as possible, uh, duty is it a glorious duty? How much in the communion service this morning? I wanted to say thank you, Lord, for everybody in this meeting. All their prayers have blessed me, and I feel fed. And and uh, we prayed, children, and I before we came to church, and I said, Lord, may we leave this service more beautiful than we were when we came in. And I could feel in that prayer meeting the beautification process had already started. Now, the communion has just been, uh, been this minute. We still, we still have a few minutes to pray to ourselves before the communion is completely finished, right? another prayer, another thought for you. The Lord's Supper reminds me that we are in a new covenant relationship with God and not part of the Old Testament covenants given to the children of Israel. In 1 Corinthians 11, 25, it says, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Now that's one thing that I could never understand. I didn't know what that meant. I'm going to tell you what it means. I've spent a fortnight to study it, so listen. (laughs) It means that because Christ died, because his blood was spilt, I have a new relationship with Jesus. I have a new relationship with God. God is no longer a taskmaster. it's my heavenly father. His laws aren't written on stone now. They're written in my heart. It means that I can obey God, not because I have to, but because I want to. I desperately want to please him. And when we're admonished by God, treat it as a privilege, because when he chastises us, it means he loves us. We've got it all wrong. We're using the carnal mind in this kingdom of God. Our minds must change if we are to change. If our minds and our thoughts haven't changed, we haven't changed. When we come into the kingdom of God, we change the way we think. And when we're admonished through the sermon. We don't say, we don't resent it. We say, good, thank you. That's going to make me more beautiful. That's going to make me more like Jesus. And here's the third thing. The Lord's Supper reminds me not only of Christ's death on the cross, but also it is a sign of my participation in his death. Mm. I've got to die too. And if you want it put in common terms, you've got to crucify your selfishness. Get rid of that snake, that selfish attitude, that proud nature of yours. Get rid of it. Put it to death every day. It's a spiritual death. You see, it's not a physical one. If it was a physical one, you'd only need to do it once, but it's a spiritual death. And we must deny self every day and die to self every day so that we might live the resurrected life of Jesus every day. (laughs) Don't look at the clock. Listen, I'm going to tell you one last thing after the conclusion. (laughs) I learned this in the lockdown about two years ago. In our garden, and have a beautiful garden, although I say myself. So. <laughs> There's a tree. And it's been the home for doves for years. And I've seen those doves breeding chicks. Often three or four times in the year. One day, two ugly, dirty, rotten. Christians came into <laughs> our garden and chased the doves away and there's an old boxing saying that a good big one will always be the good little one and they chased those doves away and they requisitioned the nest and raised the old chick and every day I saw it I went outside and <laughs> the <laughs> chest away they wouldn't go well we have got a conservatory window, and I can have a panoramic view of everything that's going on in the garden. And I saw those wood pigeons and the dirt things. the defecate, they put whitewash all over the place. <laughs> I hate them. But I watched them, and I saw the way they fed the chick. And do you know the take turns babysitting? Did you know that? Well, that's what they did, and that's what beds do. Not only that, I noticed the way the two parents fed the little one. And I saw how excited the little one was. It, 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 it fluffed its feathers, and it, sh- it shook like there's always an electric shock. <laughs> and I was amazed at the skills of those two Horrible wood pigeons. <laughs> and one day I thought, I'm going to, I'm going to go into the nest and, and I'm going to have a good look at that chick. And I climbed on the wall and I was about a, a metre away from the chick. And do you know that little chick? It was about two inches tall. And it, it poked itself out to be twice that size. And you know the way a snake makes a dart to kill his opponent? It darted at me with its beak. I got down and I had every admiration for that chicken, those two birds. And you know, when the the little one grew up and they flew away to the sunset, my heart was broken. Mm -hmm. I'd fallen in love with them. (laughs) (laughs) And this is what God told me. If you've got an enemy, if you've got somebody you can't stand, we all have the blood, we come on now, be honest. We all have people in our lives that Ooh, there he is, go that way. If you've got somebody like that in our hearts, and you want to prepare our hearts for the communion service, this is what you do you forget all about the bad points. Concentrate on all the virtues. And everybody is a mixture of good and bad. Forget about the bad. Concentrate on the good. And through time, those good thoughts will lead to good feelings. Bad thoughts lead to bad feelings. Your thoughts always follow your your thoughts. Your feelings always follow your thoughts. You change your thoughts, you change your feelings. And (laughs) when you've established what they're good at, go to them and tell them how much you admire them. And that's the first step to turning an enemy into a friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank right.